Batman, it's Cape Crisis! I'm your host, Henry Gilbert, with the, uh, the host of the show. I almost forgot my banter there. There you did. This is a there comic book cod podcast about Cop graphic ass. novels, sequential arts, and all that other stuff. You're not in top form today. No, but I refuse to start over. I Damn want people straight. to see these Damn see the warts. Love us, warts and all. Warts and all. We indeed. are a kitten with a little bite out of our ear. We're just cuter. Did you read the sad story about the kitty? What kitty? Well, did you hear about that famous, uh, the, the cat that's a mayor of an Alaskan town? <laughs> no. It's an adorable story. For 16 years, he's been the official mayor of the town. <laughs> and he just died. No, he got attacked by a dog. <laughs> and he's, uh, he's finally breathing on his own again, but he is a 17-year-old cat. So... But he's a cat who's like 100 in human years. Yeah, who got bit by a fucking dog. I mean, is it, if his rule depressing. couldn't come into question more... If you'd like to hear another depressing dog story... Oh, please... Remember Sarah Silverman's wonderful dog Doug, Doug from the yes. Sarah Silverman program? No longer with us. No. He seemed pretty old on the Sarah Silverman program, which was eight fucking years ago, if you can believe it. The show was really good. It was a great show. I love that show. And Doug, mm-hmm. real name Duck, is actual, he's Duck the dog, but they made him Doug on the show because they thought it was a pretty funny little in-joke. But Doug slash Duck... Mm-hmm. Who was pretty old when the show was on? He finally passed away, which Aww, is sad. But she said it was. She said it was nice and peaceful. Well, if you, I wish you had the Casey Kasem dead dog story. A dead fucking dog. We haven't done that yet. Uh. <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> well, that's a preview of, yeah. uh, of an upcoming episode of Laser Time. Indeed. But enough about dead dogs. I'm here with the person I haven't even introduced yet. My regular co-host, Chris Antis. Thank you. Thank you. And I didn't even see my Twitter handle, H-E-N-E-R-E-Y-G, on Twitter. On Twitter. I'm Cantista, by the way. I never never chime in with that. I have to hammer mine home. I don't feel very interesting on Twitter anymore. No, you gotta... eh, I feel tired on Twitter just because I feel like I have to... um, I feel like I'm in this contract to engage in every Twitter controversy that comes up I, like I, one person gets mad about one other guy saying a thing and I feel like I'm expected oh you have to weigh in and say if this person is an asshole or not an asshole you gotta pick sides like, well there's there's a bit to that. I can't chime in on com- controversial issues anymore mm-hmm. but that's that's fine I've accepted that but it's sort of like then what I what I'm left with is <laughs> making safer America's funniest home video jokes that I over scrutinize and eventually just delete. I have a giant drafts folder of ways where I talk about me masturbating. Like I just, I, they're not. They, they're they, they are. They maybe are gross, but they wouldn't be controversial. No, not at all. Not at all. It just. But uh, yeah. But is it worth know. the effort? So. Um. Someday, I'm just going to keep pushing it until I find out the hard way. We'll you know, see. Well, mine I miss is. It. I miss it as a creative outlet. I really. There do. are a couple times where I'm like, I'm about to tweet something, and mm-hmm. I say. Number one, does this add anything to the conversation? And mm-hmm. two, like, will this get me in trouble? Could I be wrong? Could I be on the wrong side of this thing and I just make an immediate knee-jerk reaction and then I look like a monster? I, I made a joke about the MTV... Because I come home, Facebook tells me that the MTV Movie Awards are happening. Mm-hmm. We talked about it last week. And I wanted to tweet, is this... is Tonight, the annual charity MTV throws for music every year and, like, clearly... And I just look at it and like this is funny, it's well structured, but somebody has to have made this joke before. Oh, yeah, yeah. And well, yeah. I didn't steal it, 
but it didn't it, like man this isn't that clever it wasn't delete. original enough thought delete yeah. and I but I can't attribute it to anybody at all I always said well one of mine that happened to me once where I did tweet this thing I thought it was very clever and it got like more retweets than I normally get meaning like 12 mm-hmm. and I thought it was very clever about uh, Lance Armstrong and I said like after the Lance Armstrong whatever happened I said this delegitimizes his scene in dodgeball but I said that in a funnier way and I was like, man, man, I'm clever. I got to be the only person. And then an hour later, I'm like, I should search Lance Armstrong dodgeball. I'm like, 18 other different but the same jokes were there. Well, I don't think it's cool because Lance Armstrong is a American treasure. Uh, he's a hero. That guy really had nuts. <laughs> that's the same See, deal. That's you're missing. Like My favorite that. tweet that I, I was during Lose Followers Tuesday Oof. Where we intentionally tried to lose followers. Never do that again. That'll and it was a again. simple joke. If the uh, Native Americans truly wanted this land, then they should have built more water slides. <laughs> I like that. Yes. That's funny. But, um, yeah. Well, if you want to talk about sports, like... Sports! That fucking thing with A-Rod. Like, everybody... Like, every... All these what? Yankee fans are, like, turning on him. Like, boo, A-Rod guy. Yeah, like, you knew... His what? performance that the steroids. he... steroids. Yes. Who gives a shit? Now, I know who gives a shit, that, but they, like... My reaction is, who cares, like, if they're all going to do steroids, just make it make it an even playing field. Just, like, use whatever you want. And let's legalize it. Like, it'll just make for more exciting games. But people, you know, want to believe in this purity of the game. Like, the purity of the game died a million years ago, I'd say. But, so anyway... That's what I love they, about the movie Moneyball. But they have all these, yeah, exactly. But they they have these superstars who get like bigger stats than ever, mm-hmm. more home runs than ever. Barry Bonds, Mark McGuire, mm-hmm. Sammy Sosa, all these guys, and everybody's like, "What a great player! Like a super individual." No one wants to ask those questions then. Mm-hmm. Then eight years later, when their career's about to end, they're like, "Hey, how did you get all those home runs?" Boo! Boo! boo. Like, no, you you knew. Who cares? I, he put his body through hell to entertain you. Well, it's like and it those, those are not even if everyone in the world took mm-hmm. steroids, they would not be as good as Barry exactly. Bonds or A Rod. Like it is skill. So you learn from that steroid movie. You had a bigger, better, faster, stronger. Uh, that the the steroids is not an instant Popeye spinach pill. Yes, it is a it is a additional commitment to something you're already doing, which most like I would say ninety nine percent of people don't bother to do. Take steroids. If there's any way you can hit that ball harder and more consistently, fucking do it. Yeah, but when people, like, before people wanted to recognize Barry Bonds' Mm -hmm. thing, like, I I was one of those people saying, like, come on, look at the size of his head, (coughs) his giant arms. Like, that doesn't, as he gets older, he got huger and bigger. Like, that doesn't happen. He was a baseball player when I was paying attention. Yeah. Really paying attention. I have his baseball card, and then I saw, like, Heard people arguing about it and saw him on the news. I'm like, that doesn't happen to someone they get older. Yeah, you don't that get is impossible. That is impossible. You do not get that much thicker when you're older. He was this skinny yeah. gentleman. He was a skinny player all life. And those old fucking tops baseball cards with like the wood grain outline. You know, my favorite were Fleer. Like Fleer. 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 Fleer was good. It's a stupid. It's such a dumb like family name or something. It is. Like somebody should have said, "We got to stop calling this Fleer. Call it Tops or." Uh, player one, what or, it was it? Upper Deck. Upper Deck. That's upper such Deck a good came name. out and like seemed to destroy it, like from yeah. nowhere and seemed well, to destroy the was so it felt so cheap. Like their cards felt so well, cheap. But when I look at Upper Deck, like I, I didn't throw away my ba- baseball cards from the eighties, uh-huh. and when I look at them, 
this may as well be the 40s. Yes. It's some guy in a weird backdrop with a wood grain outline. I love those little pictures. But, but some, speaking, of them, some of them are still spitting tobacco in their pictures. Mm. But speaking of, uh, you rem- I remember as a kid, that's how I kind of, I was able to easily move from baseball cards to uh-huh. then comic book cards. The Marvel cards. Marvel bought Fleer to make their cards. Did they really? Like, yeah. For a while, Topps, and I think Topps was making their cards. Mm-hmm. Maybe it was Upper Deck. Mm-hmm. But then they made a deal with Fleer, and then after like three successful years of Marvel cards, they're like, let's just buy Fleer, and they'll make all our cards. And then like the next Oops. year, the bottom dropped out of the comic yeah, card market. Yeah, stopped buying after Series 3. It's kind of dumb. But I own all of them from 1, 2, and 3. Well, because 4 just wasn't as... The problem with the 4 line of Marvel cards mm-hmm. was that the regular guy cards were all meant to be like 9... Three by three, nine card. Oh no! Big like images. garbage pail kids. Cut. What is that like? Well, they, they on the back of the garbage pail kids. It was supposed to make out a nine. A three panel. by three. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. To make a big picture. That's how it was for the Gross. Marvel series four. It still had all the cool stats on the back, and but if you wanted a Spider-Man card, like it he was, was he Spider- was nine cards. It was Spider-Man in the middle of it, but then mm-hmm. Surat, like on all sides of him, was like. You'd see all this other stuff happening in a, someone's half of their arm or something. Like it was, I it was silly. Man, I still have those cards in a fucking binder um, somewhere, and I just want to get the cover. Man, do you remember those printing programs? You had those custom printing programs pre Adobe era. Yes. Like I can put, I can use up to three fonts and then put in a picture of a planet or a baseball <laughs> player. Are you fucking kidding me? So there's this giant binder with this bright orange sheet that says Chris's Marvel cards and then whatever uh-huh. stock images I can find, like a fucking shooting star and a rock. That was a thing. It's pretty awesome. It was orange. I think I was big on the thing. Still am. Mm. Yeah, I always think of the thing, I feel like I may be making this up in my head, hmm. but it was an ad for one of the Fleer line of Marvel cards mm-hmm. and like to show that it came with bubblegum or something that like thing was chewing bubblegum on the picture and like it's just it's a funny image of the I know there's images out there of like the thing chewing bubblegum and just a pink bubble coming out of his mouth. It's, I think it's a funny image. I think part of I, I love blind boxes to this day. I <laughs> yeah. still buy a ton of them, like vinyl nations, uh kid robot stuff. Uh those monster hunter things like I buy for full price from my company. Uh, I love blind boxes, and mm. it's solely to recapture the glory of Marvel cards. Yeah, that's that's what HeroClix did, too. Like, I really mm. got into HeroClix, and part of me was thinking, like, I just want the guys I want. I should mm-hmm. just go to eBay, but then it's like... It's no fun. No, what's Don't the care. fun? Like, if you can Don't get care. a super rare guy in one that costs you seven... In a pack that costs you seven bucks, like, I, that's good. Uh, someday I could probably write a more eloquent essay on it, but I'll never, ever, ever <laughs> fucking do that. And I'll still engage in blind boxes solely... Here, Chris, you have one dollar. You get one pack of Marvel cards. This will be your weekend. Woo! I'll read all of them. <laughs> uh, uh, so let's get in the regular bits of the show. But wasn't that wasn't that a fun digression, guys? It wasn't about politics. Everybody is yelling and pointing at their speakers right now. I've got so much I could say about politics right now too, but I'm not gonna. Not mm. gonna. It's about newsroom. No, no. Did you see? Uh, no, I did. Jesus, no, okay. No, no. Oh, Wait. Here's one thought. Tangentially about newsroom mm-hmm. is that I think uh, Aaron Sorkin is in love with Keith Olbermann because who's the main character of Sports Night? Who's Peter Krause based on? Uh, the Keith Olbermann of the '90s, yeah. who was Mr. Sports Center mm-hmm. non-politics. When he makes a new character who's in TV face, it's again an idealized Keith Olbermann. It makes sense. 
not even about politics, but a, sort of about politics. Mm-hmm. I am so fucking out of... Because well, one, it reminded me, I was I decided to turn on the second episode of Newsroom. Uh-huh. And whatever they're talking about, I don't know what they're talking about. I never heard of it. <laughs> and I, 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 Genoa... Genoa? That, yeah, yeah. Well, maybe, maybe, maybe it's made up for the show. I don't fucking know. I've never heard of it. And then it was I, I was at PAX last weekend, mm-hmm. and like, not only am I like super swamped with work, I also went to PAX. So I'm working at a booth with no internet, or running back to the hotel room to upload more work, and then get a text message from my lady friend, and just, yeah, Obama might be about to declare war on Syria. I'm like, what? Syria? What? Like, I just do no idea what led up to it. <laughs> to this day, I have not bothered to do the research. I did I'll, a I'll, little research about I'll it myself. Click on, I'll click on CNN, and it's like, they're already talk. They're like already like 17 steps into a conversation mm-hmm. I wasn't there in, in on in the beginning. I'm sure no idea what they're I'm talking sure about. I'm sure there's a story on the Atlantic or where, the Guardian Wikipedia, UK. please. No, there's the, got to be a buff, like a primer site. Like, where am I supposed to catch up and figure Guardian out what's UK happening? The could probably teach you. Yeah, but stuff. by then I could flip it over to Facebook and go to Onion Navy Club. <laughs> well, yeah, you should just read The Onion's joke about it, and mm-hmm. then that'll, that'll teach you enough. Yeah, well, he hasn't. He's... Uh, uh, no, I'm not getting into this. Not, right, I'm right. not talking about don't, Syria. Don't. Yeah, all right. But anyway, comic books we read. What did we read this week? I'm Daredevil. Start first. Oops. No, you go. Then. That's it. Daredevil. Just, I read one issue of Daredevil. Mark Wade's um, Daredevil. No, I'm was, I'm still reading this from the sale I got. I got a um, oh, Brubaker Daredevil. I see. That's a good I'm run. Still, I'm still in prison. Good maybe. time. Hmm. Wade is fun though because and I, I mean, no, I, I have the first trade of that. Mm-hmm. I, I just haven't read it any further than that. Well, I mean that real. It is like actually fun. Like that's the. The the Brubaker books are exciting. I love the mm. read, but like he is put through hell in those books. <laughs> the but, Dare, Daredevil is put through. Yeah, hell. well, that's I'm also <laughs> like I said it before. I'm really sick of hearing about the stint in prison. Yeah, reference in every other book, and I even like directly leading up to it. I've read up till there. I just never. It's the missing piece of the puzzle, hey. Mm. No, but uh, but that was Wade's whole thing. Is like I'm gonna make Daredevil fun again. Like mm. he's. And, he, and it is, because they bring in fucking AIM, which is just like the dumbest organization well, in the he, universe. Well, he also just threw him back into the colorful world of superheroes. The first yeah. guy he fights is silly Spider-Man villain, The Spot. That's who he, <laughs> he fights in the first book. That it is. Um, yeah, that's uh, still going great. What's What I thought was going to hurt the book, mm-hmm. and this is something I've been seeing both at Marvel and at DC... Mm-hmm. Is that they get like a superstar, a level artist for the first storyline, and then that artist goes away. <laughs> they maybe come back for two more issues, mm-hmm. and then they but then they hire a B to oh, A minus no. level artist, and so they hired a guy who seemed to be a B to take over, like Marcos Martin and pa- Pablo or Paulo Rivera. Mm-hmm. Those two basically work as a team because they draw very similarly, but in their own special way. Mm-hmm. They were the, supposed to be the main artist on Daredevil. Gone by issue 10, pretty much. Mm-hmm. And this guy named Chris... Like, they hired dudes who could do their art style. Mm-hmm. But um, this guy named Chris Samine, like, I think was the hire. And I liked him okay at first, but now he's become the real artist on the series. And he's gone up to, like, an A-, minus, I'd say, in quality. Mm-hmm. But on top of that, like, I would prefer an A-, minus who... Takes can do ten issues in a year, like that's what I yeah. want. Uh, the consistency, yeah. I miss that. So, uh, but oh snap! What? 
Uh, keep going. I, uh, we'll do this in the news. In the news, okay. Well, I wanted to... So I read Superior Spider-Man this week. Part one of him fighting Spider-Man 2099. Wait, where? Which one? Superior 18. Oh, man. I, 2099. The fuck did I get Came two, out this week. Two issues behind. You are way behind now, man. Yeah, but it, it was a really exciting first issue of it. Like, this is after the Hobgoblin stuff. Mm-hmm. It's really Which I cool. loved. And I like Spider-Man 2099, like, especially because... Dan Slott did his research on him, mm-hmm. but it also had a uh, it had a return of a supporting character mm-hmm. that made me go like, "Oh shit!" Way more than any other big twist this week that we'll talk about in news. Have, have you mentioned it before? Or? What I thought you mentioned a long time ago that Dan Slott had brought back a couple of like, well, so in the, this is this is new. This is old C enough now. Even. Yeah, this Dare is old enough now that I can bring it up. It's not too much of a spoiler, but if you haven't read. Up to Superior number eight, mm-hmm. then this is a spoiler. But um, they brought back this character. So in Spectacular Spider-Man back mm-hmm. in the '90s, they created this character named Doctor uh, Doctor Kafka. Mm-hmm. This woman <laughs> named Doctor Kafka. Yeah, it's a very obvious name. But then she basically ran. They, they they created her to run Spider-Man's equivalent of Arkham Asylum called Ravencroft. Uh-huh. But they basically dropped Ravencroft like uh, as a play. Like they just sent Spider-Man's enemies to jail. Now they stopped doing that. Then Dan Slott brings back not just Ravencroft, but Dr. Carla uh, Kafka. And for like, in the first page, I see like, holy shit, it's Dr. Kafka. I can't believe he dug her out of this. I miss her so much. I missed her so much. I didn't even realize it. <laughs> Next page, she is murdered horribly. Yeah. Horribly murdered. Like, he did it because he knew like, well, I mean, this guy, when he escapes, he could just murder any <laughs> guard, but who cares? I have to find someone people will care about when they murdered. And like that that was a smart thing. You got a character no one would care about mm-hmm. and made you care just enough so when she's killed, it'll like really resonate. Uh nobody dies in this issue, but they brought back uh another like past Spider Man character who had basically been forgotten by other reader, uh, authors and not even used by slot in the last like five years, really. And it was just so cool to see her, to see her back, like and to wonder where they're going with her, like to pick her back up again, means something. So, I'm really excited about that. Uh, let's see. Uh, what else did I read? Oh, I'm, I'm catching up on the Scarlet Spider mm-hmm. book, which I I really like. Uh, it's not uh, that's one where like the art is like C plus sometimes, mm-hmm. but the writing's fun enough. I I like that Kane is trying to be a good guy, but he hates it, and he sometimes thinks to himself, I should just murder all these people. Nah, I don't but, but um it's also just interesting because in the book they had these two characters who like this policeman and this doctor who were like his friends on the inside, you know, on the police force. And they seem to be buddies. And then I turned the page I turned the page in the book and like this Inset says, the home of Dr. Blah Blah and Officer Blah Blah. I'm like, are they roommates? And then I, <laughs> then the shot is like those two sharing the same bed and the one, the doctor snoring really loudly and the police officer going like, God, turn on your side. You're snoring so much. Jesus. And I was like, God, it's weird roommates or something. Like, it still didn't hit me. They're like, oh, these two are a couple. Like that's mm. the, they just did it in such an interesting slow burn that like, if the characters had just in their first scene said, like, hey, we're both gay. Let's just get that out there. Like, 
people don't do that in real life. Like they, they only identify that for to make it easier in comic books. So just Spider-Man like has to ask them a question, so he goes to their house and sees them in bed, and like it just didn't. I felt so stupid that it didn't hit me like for about five minutes to go like. Oh, those guys, like, they're actually married, too. Like, they're gay married characters. Gay married, Hank? I know. <laughs> I gotta stop using that term. It is just married. Say, like, just give that one more time. Gay married. <laughs> uh, but it's a fun book. And that's kind of all I've been reading, uh, uh, pretty much. Pack super busy. What can I tell you? Yep. What can I tell you? But, uh, boy, oh, boy, the news. Let me talk about it. There's a big reveal in the first issue of Forever Evil, the yeah. big old crossover. So uh, I did not read the book, but I read enough mm-hmm. excerpts from it and synopses that mm-hmm. I can explain it. So there was the big Trinity War mm-hmm. That's uh, that was this giant Justice League crossover. Mm-hmm. And when it ended, the Justice League disappears, and the evil universe characters of the uh, the Crime Society of America, the CSA, they show back up, and it's the evil Superman, evil, like, all from the universe where they're evil. And so, they show up, and they're just as powerful as the Justice League, so they kind of own the world when they say they do. And they uh, they say, the Justice League is dead! So all the top heroes of the world are gone in this story. And it's called Forever Evil because the villains have to unite mm-hmm. and step up to fight these guys because the Justice League's gone. And there was this weird thing where <laughs> it seemed like such a Jeff Johns type thing where the the alternate universe Superman, Ultraman, mm-hmm. how does he get his powers? What's his, what's the moon. his fun? No. The you're getting there. Oh. Kryptonite. Kryptonite. Jesus. He has to snort Kryptonite. <laughs> He does a That's rail great. of kryptonite. That's great. Because the sun is slowly killing him, and the kryptonite def- that builds means up on, his on his home planet, there is a Scarface-type movie <laughs> where an ultra Tony Montoya sticks his face in a, a bowl of, of a pile of kryptonite. Uh, so, yeah, that, that seemed slightly silly to me. Oh, but, stop it. Uh, Though, but okay, have you, you heard... You're talking about Ultra Superman here. Ultra Man. When does it get... Ultraman, Superwoman, mm. um, The Ring, Johnny Quick, and then they created analogs for Martian Manhunter and Aquaman and the, the Atom that did not exist before. The Atom. The Atom. Oh, and Owl Man. That's the other one, the Owl Man. Of course. Owl Man. Who could forget? But have you... The okay, Watchmen? Have, <laughs> no. But, <laughs> all right, but have you heard the big last page reveal of it? No. This is all mean? over the news, but uh, I will tell you guys, Dick Grayson mm-hmm. unmasked to the whole world. He mm-hmm. like he tried to. He was the first one to try to fight the CSA, mm-hmm. and so when they beat him, they said like, "Yeah, you lot. Like, hey, this is Nightwing. He sucks." And like they did this whole presentation simulcast around the world, but mm-hmm. in front of an audience of villains. It said, yeah, this guy's Nightwing, but his real name, Unmasked, is Richard Grayson. And then when they have this fun shot where Lex Luthor, he's not at the meeting, he's mm-hmm. watching on TV. Mm-hmm. He goes like, who the hell is Richard Grayson? <laughs> and then they release to the media his like his driver's license, all this Jesus. information on him. 
Like, it's this guy. Like, they just ruined him. Like, and then some people are saying, well, it's so... It's a weird parallel with Superior, though. Yeah, it was, it was did, so I, weird. They, they did it two weeks ahead mm-hmm. of time. Like, Superior... And Spidey I, I, doing that to Hop. You know it had to have been done before, but, like, the way they present it... Mm. <laughs> I don't know. It feels like, yes, these people have all operated to the public under alter egos and masks. Mm-hmm. It really would be devastating, villain or hero. It is a, it's a tough line where you go with where, like, these guys are so badass. After they beat him up, they unmasked him and revealed yeah. him to the world. Yeah, it, it, like, well, then why doesn't the second any superhero is, un, is knocked unconscious, why doesn't everyone do it? Do that? It's in that, but I think that's that the thing, because we've been reading corner. this stuff so long that there's a, uh, at least that kind of self-respect between the- between yeah, two masked hero, well, heroes or villains. I was reading, I, I suggested on last week's episode, mm-hmm. the uh, the Marvel te- the old Marvel team-up book I read yeah. the, the, by John Byrne and Chris Claremont. And in it, I was just, uh, there's like one scene where Craven knocks Spidey unconscious mm-hmm. and Spider-Man wakes up in chains and Craven is explaining his stupid plan to him. Mm-hmm. It's, it's old school fun. But I thought to myself, they could not do that this scene now because Craven... You just couldn't think to yourself, well, why wouldn't Craven unmask him? And I, I blame Brian Bendis for that because mm. in Ultimate Spider-Man, Ultimate he Spider-Man. brought in that reality. In in real real world, mm-hmm. if you caught a guy like Spider-Man and mm-hmm. you were able to get him unconscious, the guy's a constant thorn in your side. Yeah, whether you, you might not reveal him to the world, but you would, you would at the very least unmask him, take pictures, find out exactly who he, he is, jokes and about use that, that against him. And, and and I did like that Craven is. Still, the hero who, the villain who doesn't wear a mask. Yeah. So, in order to establish him as a villain, he is just an awful reality star yes. who's already known to the world as a horrible person. But but that worked in Ultimate. But yeah. then it kind of bled into the rest of the world, where like there one of the scenes I hated. I actually liked. Uh, I liked even from the start. Bendis' run on New Avengers, but it had a scene I really hated, where mm. Spider-Man dives into this like it's the opening in the first new Avengers storyline called breakout where yes. the raft is explodes yeah. electro blows the roof off of it mm. literally right. and uh, and then spider-man is like hey what's going on down there and then there's just darkness he looks in there and then it get the lightning strikes and it's illuminating he sees a sea of bad guys and who then just grab him mm-hmm. and the first thing they say is like Get rid of that stupid mask. They rip his mask off and punch him in the face. And, like, part of the point is, like, Spider-Man covers it later. He says, like, thank God for my average looks. Like, because, yeah, when people look at you, they might not say, like, well, that's, like, they'd say, that's some guy I haven't seen before who is white and has brown hair and brown eyes. I don't know who that is. Fine. That is true. But... These are supervillains with superpowers, mm-hmm. and some of them may have met Peter Parker in their real life, seeing as how he is a photographer of Spider-Man for the Daily Bugle. And but, and also that then made me be like, Dan Slott had this awesome cover for it in Human mm-hmm. Torch because, and something that Bendis should have fucking thought of, and this had been used in Spider-Man books before. Spider-Man makes can stick to walls. Mm-hmm. His skin is sticky. Uh, he can he make can his mask stick him. to his face. If he, but he has to consciously think of it. Mm-hmm. You could, <coughs> if you're smart enough to catch him, if you're quick enough, or, or smart enough, smart enough, or doggone it, people like you, 
Or if you knock him unconscious, you can unmask him. Mm-hmm. But if you're in a fight and grab his mask, mm-hmm. unless you're super strong and tear the fabric of it, like you you can't get it off his face. Like mm-hmm. you would rip his face off too. So maybe okay, so then maybe someone super strong mm-hmm. could grab his mask and Peter would think to himself, he will tear my head off if I don't give up the mask. Mm-hmm. Fine. Mm-hmm. Fine, okay, but eh, I still I think it's it just annoyed me. Like once you right, start well, taking off people's masks, like it's there's no it's just the Wild West. There's no uh, but, rules. See, anymore. the way you're talking about is the way I see people talk about poker or Street Fighter. <laughs> They've been playing poker and Street Fighter against spe- like people who specialize in that for so long. Mm-hmm. When a rogue gets in there and starts throwing wild cards or mashing buttons, they have no idea how to deal with it. But to me, this adds a layer of realism into the yeah. universe. Yeah. Like maybe, maybe the drama of keeping your identity secret should be more of a focal point. Well, that's what I books. I love. Look, I love secret identities. Yes. And I liked when it mattered. Like when I was a kid, it was a big deal that Venom knew who Peter Parker was mm-hmm. because very few, like Green Goblin knew, but he kind of loses memory sometimes. Mm-hmm. So, like Venom was one of the very few who could meet him in a civilian identity. That does give an extra edge to a bad guy. Mm-hmm. But then the more characters that find out his secret identity, that loses its edge, and then it. It almost comes to the point of like, well, when 20 people know who you are, then everybody does. Like, yes. it's just, that was another Bendis thing I really, really hated. Who are Daft Punk, Hank? Yeah. Exactly. 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 Who's Banksy, man? The uh, guy who wears a monkey mask. Mm. Um, but that was a that was another Bendis scene I really hated. Mm. In, uh, in his Daredevil run, mm-hmm. uh, it was after Daredevil beat the... Kingpin, and he mm-hmm. made himself the kingpin of Hell's Kitchen, and uh, you know, Doctor Strange, Reed Richards, and Peter Parker visited him in the uh, in the in Central Park to be mm-hmm. like, "Hey, man, quit being a bad guy." And like, Murdoch knew knew who he was, Peter Parker. Strange knew he was Peter Parker. Mm-hmm. Reed didn't, but Spider was like, "Yeah, I'll just show up, just in my civilian identity. Reed can know who I am." Just these so nonchalantly, like... When the fuck does... This character, Reed Richards not know Spider-Man is Reed Peter Richards, Parker. Look, Reed can even pretend that he doesn't know, maybe, but... Mm-hmm. When Spider-Man chooses to tell Reed that he's Peter Parker, mm-hmm. that should be a big moment. But it happened off-screen as an afterthought, like, mostly because... I feel like Bendis wrote that scene assuming well, Reed knew he was Peter Parker, but he didn't. All of Bendis' new Avengers, they almost always refer to each other by their first real name. Yeah, and that was bullshit. Like, I hated that. It was, it made them realer, but like... It did. But when Spider-Man's Aunt May guy got, gets murdered, mm-hmm. he shouldn't say, Yeah, Peter Parker, hey! Oh yeah, like, take pictures of me. I'll be uh, on your camera. Like, not... I can <clears> see <throat> if they're in a very secret clubhouse guarded <clears throat> by magic spells by... Uh, Doctor Strange Iron Man Man. and Iron Man them working together (laughs) like if they're all in their secret clubhouse Spider-Man's like alright it's all masks off here cool yeah Peter that's fine but if they're if they're just in a government sponsored building Mm -hmm. why would he walk around with his mask off like that's bullshit that's what I don't like anyway that's totally understandable but that's an interesting conversation like how important is the alter ego Mm -hmm. I'm trying to remember now like in, in Invincible which is always plays with superhero tropes <laughs> everybody knows who his dad was yeah and who he is presumably it's, they know his secret identity but it's he, pretty easy to figure he out he lives like, in his parents house yeah well that he flies into in broad daylight 
they kind of say to a certain degree that, like, uh, in that book, like, the government is so in. Oh, that's right. They offer the protection. Only if you're, like, an alpha-level super villain mm-hmm. can you even touch their family and take them by But surprise. again, there's another way to make sense out of yeah. the secret identity, which, well, let's be the, honest, in this day and age, like, how long could your identity be a secret? I live in this, I love in this super, uh, in this, in the first storyline in Invincible, mm-hmm. one of the first villains he fights together with Adam Eve mm-hmm. is their teacher. Is one of their mm-hmm. teachers in high school, and then he's, he calls her by her name, mm-hmm. and she's like, how'd you know it was me? He's like... You don't even wear a mask. Like you're the same. You're you like come on. You're this you and you only fight in my town. Like, and you just happen obvious. to gain weight at the same time as this other girl. I like that like they you. let her get fat. I Isn't like that, that cool? Yeah, it's really funny. Man, oh, not wow. funny. No, no, it's but that sounds to me. I mean, but she's still hot. Yeah, she's shows. still hot. And it's just I. It's a nice way to go. Like yeah, we don't. Not every woman looks the same in the world. Believe yeah, it or not. Some to some of us relates with the hips look real nice. As the Smith said, as the Smiths once cautioned America, What's that? some girls are bigger than others. <laughs> you know, why don't we go out on that song and then we'll come back uh, <laughs> with with more talk about secret identities, some also some news about uh, some more casting news. I hate that this becomes the casting news show, but this fucking news keeps breaking. Uh, and some talk about your answers to last week's question of the week. And back on the other. I just discovered some girls are bigger than others. Some girls are bigger than others. Some girls' mothers are bigger than other girls' mothers. Some girls are bigger than others. Some girls are bigger than others. Hey, everybody! It's the break. Thanks for listening to the Cape Crisis podcast. Uh, episode 64, we're already up to it. So much fun. Boy, howdy. If you like the show or you like the Laser Time Podcast Network that we appear on with shows like the titular Laser Time, Game Apocalypse, VG Empire, and Cheap Popcast, if you want to support all of that, there's a lot of ways you can do it. If you go to lasertimepodcast.com, on the left side of the screen, you'll see a PayPal button. You'll see a link to a t-shirt store. You can buy stuff there. Just directly give us money. And it can really help us out. You know, we, we put these stuff up for free, and uh, but it's not free to host them. It's not free to post them. Those, that rhymed. I didn't even mean to. But, you know, any little bit you can give helps. And there's even a way to give a little bit just by buying things through Amazon. You know, it's uh, the holidays are starting to heat up. Lots of big stuff coming out. You might want to buy some new DVD, video game, whatever. If you buy through the Amazon link that you'll see on the right side of the screen, just click on that link. You don't have to buy the thing we're suggesting. Just buy anything on Amazon in that tab that just opened up, and a little money goes our way. Again, really can help out keeping the show going. Also, if you're an iTunes subscriber or you're just listening to it on iTunes, do subscribe. And, you know, please review the episode on iTunes. It really helps. Always helps in the ranking. I've seen a couple new reviews. I really like them. I want to see more of them. Please review, review, review. And lastly, it's time for the Hank's Corner pick of the week. This week's is Minimum Carnage, which uh, it's a cool little crossover between the Scarlet Spider series and the Venom series, where they team up to fight Carnage. 
It's a really cool, like, short. It's called Minimum Carnage because instead of being like a 26-part epic or something, it, it takes place over six issues, three of The Scarlet Spider and three of Venom. It's just a really fun little book that harkens back to the 90s, but with a new spin on it. So check that out. There'll be a link to buy that on Amazon on this week's episode. Uh, Now back to the rest of the show. Avengers Assemble! And welcome back. Me and Chris just had an amazing <laughs> conversation you're not going to be part of. Yes. But, uh, about uh, deep things. Unsafe jokes, being offended, homelessness, and uh, how, how to be a little more sensitive. You'll never hear that, though, on Cape Crisis because this is a show about comics. These guys hate when I talk about these things, man. I talk, when I talk about comic book things. That was one of the most. When I talk about comic book things where women are, like, I feel women are objectified. People are like, eh, come on, quit being a baby. I hate it so much to say it but I think that was one of the, the conversations I've most enjoyed that we've ever had and we did it at microphones without recording and yeah. you say you wouldn't want to record it and I say we should well someday maybe someday alright guys anyway we're back I'm a hero you are no you're a latter day latter day hero remember the like you know speaking of Sam Kennison he has some bullshit jokes that like when you look back at it now where he's just like <laughs> Why don't those people, those starving Africans, just move? Why do they live in that cell? Yeah, like, yeah, why don't they move, right? <laughs> I'm sure, yeah. Why don't they just call the movers, pack up their huts, and go somewhere else? I think else that's why them? he doesn't, he's, his persona is legendary and not his comedy. Yeah. People his jokes like, why would a guy want to fuck another guy? Did you look at a hairy ass? Like, fuck. Oh, no, that's a Dice Clay one. But, so, but yeah, like, also... Andrew Dice Clay, too, like, people applauded his jokes, but, like, when he had those jokes where he's, like, talking to a woman, he says, like, why don't you do that? Because I don't, like... Now, do a better Dice Woman. She's like, do a Dice Woman, Dice Woman, because I said so. And, like, he wouldn't... Sometimes he would say, because, because I, I said... Sometimes he'd say, because I said so, bitch. And other times he would just be an inferred bitch. <laughs> and I swear, like, you could imagine his hand going up, like... Like Ray's like, yeah, what? The, come on, shut up! Like you can, it's not too hard to imagine that character doing that. I think it's that guy's stigma is less against him and more to who his comedy appealed to at the yes, time. He was the, very the, much a, an anti-hero the, he character. He was the mainstreamiest. He sold out fucking like Madison Square Garden, like playing a character. Yes, yeah, a character, a character that people were like, yeah, I'm that guy. Yeah, oh yeah, I'm. Unironically, I am this person. Vaguely tying it back to comics, <laughs> I remember Grimm said on our world famous duck episode on Laser Time yes. that his dad hated all comedy and cartoons except for Duck Man. <laughs> That's right. Because he's like, yeah, Duck Man's got a point. Like, nah, not really. Duck Man has a lot of <laughs> points, but he has that- half a point, but he's also like, he is the most disgusting, awful monster in yes. his world. Yes. Like, well, Duckman was a comic first. Yeah, wasn't it? yeah, an ugly comic, poorly, poorly drawn. But right. yes, the cartoon was true to that. Yeah, I, I, I just imagining it. It seems like the hardest fucking thing to watch, like just yeah. grotesque. Well, Klasky Chupo, like they, their art is ugly. It is, and Rugrats are ugly, and mm. that first season of Simpsons is ugly. But Ducktail or Duck Man, excuse me, 
You got DuckTales on the brain. I do. 9-11, everybody. Never forget. Oh, yeah, it's that on the 360. Mm. Uh, what else? What else? What else? So, yeah. Casting news. Oh. Bradley Cooper. He is Rocky Raccoon. I hate having to be in that position. Like, everybody who's mad at the Ben Affleck casting, relax. Mm-hmm. Uh, he can do a great job. We've seen, like, yeah, he's a name we all used to make fun of. He's clearly done a lot of great things since then. Done a lot of great performances in his career while you were making fun of him. He can be a, br- a great Batman. And then I have to say, Bradley Cooper's cast at Rocket Raccoon. No. Yes. That is dumb. I know. That's stupid. I... That is also gay and retarded and all those other things that make it, it oh, gasp. Do- totally, totally offensive. No, it's it's more that like there are very few bullet points in the Rocket Raccoon casting spreadsheet. Mm-hmm. One of them, and you can ignore this if you want, Scottish accent. <laughs> but yeah. but two, but two is is gruff because that's funnier. It's funny yeah. to hear that voice come out of a raccoon. It's not as funny to hear Bradley Cooper's voice come out of a raccoon. Yeah, just his and, suave, cool guy. Voice. Yeah, unless like, unless he's doing that kind of character. character. Which at that point, why not hire? Why not hire someone else? Bradley Cooper is a very good actor, but he plays himself. He's not a character actor. He plays a bunch of different characters. Like, did I ever say my dream casting for that? Uh, was it Jason Statham? No, Robert Carlyle. Robert Carlyle. Robert Carlyle. Of train spotting fame. Oh, okay. Of yeah. 28 Days Later fame. Yeah, he'd been good. Yeah, he'd been great as an angry Scottish raccoon. He's such a big, like, brick lump of a man. Yes. Like, he's, he was, I like I, wait, him. no, he, he was Simon Belmont in uh, New Castle, in Lords of Shadow, oh, that's wasn't right. he? Yeah, yeah. And he uh, was. No, wait, no, he wasn't Beowulf in the. Beowulf no, he movie. was not. That was it was uh, Ray yeah. Winston. Yeah, he would have been great too. A different chunky British guy. But that was that. No one. That movie probably sucks. Beowulf. It's not great. But the idea that they cast a super fat dude to play this super built dude mm-hmm. is amazing. Like, and they, and they use his body too. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, I want to say follow up to our British invasive episode. Oh. I finally watched two episodes of Garth Marenghi's Dark Place. Isn't it great? It is the best like the thing, thing I've ever. ever seen. Because it is such a specific <laughs> joke and such a specific parody that, like, I love it. I know what they're doing, but, like, I, I, I don't want to say I laugh at it because I know other people aren't going to get it, but I do wonder, like, the gall of them. It's the so gall. weird. It's very, there's, very weird. There's shots in it where I'm like, there are continually jokes of... The, the joke is this is ADR line, and the bigger yes. joke is they wrote this so shittily yes. that they have to pause this shot, and then they recorded people later to say, "Well, we're going to the basement because that's what we're investigating next." Okay, then the door opens and they say their new dialogue because they like the writers of this fake show wrote <laughs> it so bad, or like the jokes in edits of like. This character's standing slightly differently, or the prop is held in a different way. Or that, that show is the only reason I don't love Children's Hospital. Because they did it all better. Or they did it all in six episodes, mm-hmm. what Children's Hospital is doing in five seasons. Yeah, but oh, fu- one of my favorite favorites mm-hmm. is that uh, it's in the first... The, I've only seen two of the six episodes. Mm-hmm. And also, like, that... Uh, that uh, oh, Richard Leaner is his character's name. The mm-hmm. African, well, African Brit. Dean Wama. Yeah, from IT Crowd. Like, he is 
ten times funnier on this show. Like he's so fucking. He's good. so fucking funny. He's part of my favorite. It's just a continuity error, and it's just a scene at a gravesite where they all start shooting shotguns yeah. in slow mo, and then it cuts to the next shot, and he's sitting somberly yeah. next to a grave, and it's just they, this dumb continuity they error. Clearly, that cracks like me the, the fuck and up. so then you get to create this. You get to create this thing on the set. They're like, "Well, he should be shooting a shotgun. That'll look cool. <laughs> It'll we'll edit it. It'll look fine." But when uh, the, my favorite, it's in that episode. Garth Marenghi, as his character, arrives at mm-hmm. the uh, at the grave at the at the graveyard, and the shot is him getting there, and he walks for twenty <laughs> seconds before he then gets to his spot and says his <laughs> line, and. You th- because he directed it. Garth Marenghi, yes. the character, directed this it's, episode of his show. If he, if there was a, and so the joke is, if there was a better editor, they would have said, <laughs> "Well, you don't need those fifteen of the twenty seconds of him walking." Do, like, cut the, he's like, do. "How dare you?" How like, dare you? And Garth Marenghi's just so funny too. He's just now, who's he's he a great parody up to you? Um, well, I just of it seems like Stephen King. Stephen King, in a in a larger sense, but all those. I think it's more the Stephen King pretenders I think who so also. Too. I think Stephen King he wouldn't have hosted his own show. I feel like we saw that trailer for mm-hmm. Maximum Overdrive, yes. where Stephen King introduced I'm like he seems, a movie. he seems so uncomfortable, and it was obvious. Like the filmmaker said, "Well, we have no stars in this. Mm-hmm. You making this movie, you are this the star. Is the draw we have. So you have to be the face." And he's like, well, "I don't want to be a movie. face." Yeah, and uh, and Yardley Smith. And, uh, Lisa Simpson? That's right. Oh, I lost the sound effect. She says in that movie, you're bleeding like a stuck pig. <laughs> anyway, yeah, like I don't think Stephen King wanted to be the star, but then Garth Marenghi is the type of guy who's like, well, no, I can do everything. He's like, I can do everything. Yes. I can write, direct, star. I'm the greatest there ever was. Yes. Also, I love that Lu- the <laughs> Lucian, uh, um, oh, the, the, his, his best mate, mm-hmm. his buddy, he, yes, it just his voice, the way he talks like this. Lucian Sanchez, but he's isn't it Sanchez? Mm-hmm. But he's always like it's always ADR. Like mm-hmm. you can tell that the most of it's everyone around him is almost always natural voice, but he's like <laughs> into a recorded microphone. somewhere else. Yeah. It's so good. Sorry, uh, yes. a, that's great. I heard I love uh, that show. The Dean Wamakak got got he had his own talk show for like a couple episodes. Oh wow! Yeah, I, I only only yeah only knew one dude who actually had seen that. Oh alone. shoot! I need to grab my phone. One sec. Got it. Phil. Wait. Oh, Phil. Or cut it. If I remember to, who knows? Grabbing your phone, some kind of phony, Hank. I'm a phone phony. All right, uh, let's see here. Well, so yeah, so uh, the question of the week time. What did I even ask last week? I cannot remember. Oh, one other thing to fill while I talk about this. Oh, I did want to say that Grant Morrison's new X-Men is on sale on oh, Comixology, and that's really neat. So it, like Forever Evil is up there right now. All so. right, guys. The let, We got to talk about it, too, because it's my favorite one of my top five favorite films ever. What? Robocop trailer. Did you see it? No, I didn't. Is it? How is it's, it? It's... Okay, my my initial reaction to see it is all I see is everything they do different. Mm-hmm. And this, by the way, is the trailer, not the film. So I'm trying not to be judgeful judging it that strongly. But when, my initial reaction is like, 
well, that's different. That's bullshit. That's different. Mm-hmm. Why? Like one of the things that really angered me was he got to keep his hand. Like he has a real, he has a normal hand on mm. his right hand and his left hand. Like, mm. I don't like that. And then when he first shows up, they show him in early shots in his gray outfit. Mm-hmm. But then they have a scene that like gray's not cool. Let's make him black. And so he's kind of black thing the whole rest of the time he looks like a skinny daft punk uh band member. yeah and then they just there's another thing that uh, i i don't know if i dislike it because i think it could be a bad story point or if it's just because they're doing it different from the mm-hmm. film but his wife is an active participant in it like she knows like what they don't he's not a corpse when they get him he mm-hmm. is a very injured man who could be in a wheelchair the rest of his life with oh, without whose with, family he's missing to him? He's missing a left he's missing his left leg, left arm, and he's burned all over his body. And so then the, part of him realizing he was human. So the company and he's in a coma, but mm-hmm. the company says like, Hey, we can make him into Robocop mm-hmm. but his wife is involved in the deal. She knows she not only knows he's alive, he knows he became Robocop and so, like, there's this scene in the trailer where she's like, "You should, you, don't you remember our son?" Kind of thing. And I think drop it. That just seems so corny. I don't know. It drop could what drop it, our son. It's at least I'll admit it's a different way of doing stuff, mm-hmm. but uh, which is probably important. You're not going to. You do can't better just in this remake movie. it, nice. and when it's PG-13. Oh like, my! Yes. God. It sounds like a lot that. of mistakes. You know, we were talking but, about in the office today. Mm-hmm. Today. How little any of us appreciated RoboCop versus Terminator when it came out. The comic book? The comic book and the, and the resulting game. Oh, that's right. That's way better than any of us really deserved. Those were way bigger property. Like, Aliens versus Predator, like, that happened because those titles couldn't subsist on their own. Terminator still is going strong. Yeah. RoboCop, I, I think, is stronger than... In better hands, it would still be going. Mm-hmm. But how cool of a concept that is to rise up against machines and have one machine... That's amazing. A man. And partially a man. And we're just talking about this, and like, you know, that's probably all in the comic and in the game, and we never bothered to read it. <laughs> and, yeah, we really are assholes. Like, that was the perfect opportunity back when He's Orion still existed. Yeah. So, yeah, I, but, uh, but though I also, so the trailer didn't make me that enthused for it. I think it's, it it's interesting that Michael Keaton is the, is the executive. Dick Jones? He's Dick Jones. He's the Dick Jones, wow. seemingly, of this. While Gary Oldman is the uh, dude who hates Dick Jones, who starts the RoboCop project. Does he say bitches leave? No, no, no. He's the scientist guy. The one who snorts cocaine and gets murdered by Rooster. Whatever. Bitches leave. But uh, as far as I can tell, he wasn't in the trailer. Like, mm. But there's also like... Um, there's, it's, it's the type of thing where they couldn't do it in the first movie because mm. Ed 209 was basically claymation. And they kind of yes. had to film around that. Mm-hmm. And the first scene of this, they're like, Detroit is a war zone with Eds walking around everywhere. Oh and God. there's a giant, like, basically Batwing mm-hmm. shows up and shoots giant rockets and stuff. And I think, like, this is getting too big. But, I mean, but then then I watched the original. There's an original trailer for Robocop mm-hmm. where the temp music in it is just the Terminator music. And, is it really? Yeah, because they didn't have the Robocop music yet, so, which... They basically sound the same anyway. They do a little bit. They, they're of I the same people. the RoboCop. And the Terminator. Da-da-da, da-da-da, no, you're da-da-da. right. 
There's a lot more regalness to it. I, I think. know. Well, there's a march there, like a, a yeah. proud march that well, goes. Well, I wouldn't say a proud march. It's the march to doom <laughs> in, in Terminator. Like, well, in Robocop. Oh, and, and yeah, and, and Robo. Well, because you associate that music, I do. Mm-hmm. I associate that music with the awesome badass shootout when he yes. just goes into the drug den. And you just hear that music the whole time. Blah, 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 blah. He's just shooting everybody. It's his most triumphant moment. Yeah. It's so cool. I love Robocop. It's so good. That and, fucking movie is so great, by and the way. The, and also, the trailer had the the trailer for the new one had like no signs of social satire in it, Eesh. which is what was so great about Robocop yeah. as well. But then when I watched that original trailer... There was no signs of that sure, either. Sure, sure, sure. RoboCop very just like it's all surface. Like RoboCop hey, shoots the, a guy, an explosion happens. In the age of the internet, it's okay to judge a final product by its first trailer. Exactly, mm. exactly. Mm. You need you make your decision of months before something is Indeed. complete, or you pretend to to sound clever on the mm. interwebs. Well, and you're you're the smartest person is the one who hates everything. That's they're true. smart enough to know it's bad. That's true. Unlike you, dummies. Speaking of prejudging things like I did last week, um, <laughs> if Ben Affleck, the question was about Ben Affleck as Batman, who I can I get increasingly more comfortable with as time goes on. But we asked if Ben Affleck being cast as Batman didn't anger you, what casting would piss you off? Gonna go with the first responder, Bladed Falcon, Shia LaBeouf as Robin. Let that one sink in. <laughs> yes. That would be pretty bad. He does have... That, is, that man is a ruiner of franchise. And I love Shia LaBeouf. Yeah. I, I, LaBeouf? I, can you not wait to see him in the Lars von Trier film? Isn't he in the next Lars von Trier film? I, I don't, I don't like know how many things I've seen him that I've loved him. I just do think he's... He really is the best thing in Transformers. He's like a great... He's a good actor. He's a he good lead. He could try harder. Or, no, well, no, I mean, he tries harder than most. Yeah, and everything else in that movie is fucking stupid. Yeah. And he and he's giving it his all. He, he sucks in the Indiana Jones movie, but whatever. That's not his fault. Battle of Shaker Heights, man. That's what I'm talking about. Uh, Jar says, uh, who uses an image of Torgo as... Uh, yes. I love that. The master. The master. Um, but this is... Uh, he says, Taylor Lautner as the Swamp Thing. <laughs> I really like that. Oh, and I also loved Cooper, uh, but not the Cooper we know. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure. Uh, he says, uh, Stan Lee as Alfred. That'd be great. I love that one. Oh, man. What a coup. Uh, let's see here. Oh, boy. Uh, this one, Splain Puddle. Says Megan Fox as the uh, as Spider Woman. Mm. Which, uh, uh, she's got the body for Spider yeah, Woman, but none the, 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 the acting. Because oh. well, you know Spider Woman has a yeah, great. She's such a great. She's such a deep important. <laughs> <laughs> such a great character. Uh, Hulk Hogan is the Incredible Hulk. Says mm-hmm. uh, Joe. Let's see here. Hulk <laughs> man, brother. Let's see. Aaron Paul cast as the Flash. Says awkward loser. <laughs> uh, let's see here. Dur, dur, dur. Brian Cranston is Lex Luthor would be a huge disappointment, says Juice and Pancakes. Uh, after the brilliance he brought to the break as Walter White, I have just been waiting for him to take a great role as a villain in a superhero movie. But the, that one is seems kind of too obvious. I don't know why it just doesn't seem right. Maybe because it is too obvious. Aaron, someone pulled up a clip from the the first time he shows up bald Mm -hmm. for uh, for Jesse, 
Pikmin goes, you look like Lex Luthor. So, yeah. Isn't it, uh, I should say, this is news that only Hank and I will cheer about. Mm-hmm. Very esoteric that Brett Elston is finally watching Breaking Bad and is halfway through the second season. We finally he got the Pax Plague. Oh, I see. <laughs> I hope I don't get it through you. I don't have it. Uh, let's see. Last one. Mecha Morbo says Kevin James in anything. I could see them thinking he'd make a good thing, uh, seeing as how they apparently wanted Fantastic Four to be a comedy franchise oh, in the no. first place. Oh, no. That could very well. And I happen. don't hate Kevin James. No, no, I do hate it that he started in a film called "Here Comes the Poodle." I read positive things about that movie, but it's so it like looks it, really dumb and it has it's a horrible a, title. Like it's one of those. What I hate most is, but you kind of have to laugh is when you see a real movie that <laughs> would have been a joke two years ago. Like mm-hmm. when you say. Uh, Kevin James plays like an MMA fighter and he has to earn money for a school. But he plays a bad MMA fighter. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, that trailer, it's trailers that, it, the trailers are killing movies now. Yes. They give away too much. They, and they make every film like, cause they're aimed at the lowest, lowest, lowest common denominator, every trailer. Mm-hmm. And so it makes the real film. Like it can't possibly. It looks to you like this can't possibly be good. Like mm-hmm. I can't. I can barely get excited on something on the trailer only. If I know about the thing ahead of That's time, true. which if it's a film I'm really excited for, then I do. It's it's built to the lowest common denominator to find that trailer appealing, mm-hmm. and you have essentially turned off everybody. Every, everybody talking on these mics right now, and everybody who's listening <laughs> by your trailer, even yes. if your final product is grand. That's what the. Now the the last three times I saw a movie, they had a trailer for that thing I can't even remember the name of. Where it's the corporate espionage movie with uh, Harrison Ford versus ah, Gary Oldman yes, and, a, and a handsome young man caught who, in between. Who does a switcheroo? Yeah, and it tells what seems to be the, the entire plot of the film. Mm-hmm. It's like this boy from the other side of the tracks gets hired to be a corporate spy. Can he keep the secret? No, he gets found out, and Harrison Ford wants on, to get him. But then he turns on both of them, and then he like it's it seems to be every plot point up to the last five minutes of will he win? Yeah, it's like the thing that the, the thing that should have left people walking out of the theater like I gotta tell people about this mm-hmm. is now given away four months before the movie comes out. Yeah, same with I though this was a problem. It does, it does remind me? Do you remember the trailer for the General's Daughter? Yeah. Wow, thank you. I had yes. no idea you were going to say yes. John it was Travolta. filmed in Jacksonville. Oh, was it really? Mm-hmm. Man, it's probably one of the reasons why it didn't do well. Um, he's like, what did you like? What did you do? What did he do? Murder worse, rape worse. What's worse than rape and murder? I still don't know. <laughs> I don't see, know what. Yeah, he did. you have to see the movie to find. I don't out. know what he did. Same with like the trailers it for eight, with, that trailer sticks with me. What? Same with like the trailers for eight millimeter. Like, what's on the thing? What is it? Movie sucks. Yes, mm. it does. I also remember another. Crape crisis says Rob Snyder is Wonder Woman. That's worth pointing out. Yeah. What did your phone just do? It uh, got a message and it makes that sound. Boodly doop. Oh. That's the sound it makes. I'm going to turn off that sound though. All right. So, uh, geez, we've got to have a question of the week. I, I had one All in right. mind. 
Um, Give it up. And I don't have a good answer to it, though. Mm-hmm. But I would love to hear other people's <laughs> answers. All right. We were talking earlier about uh, the rampant unmasking going on in superhero sagas. Hell yeah. So what hero do you think... Uh, what secret identity... What hero do you think their secret identity is most important to remain a secret? Mm-hmm. It's not phrased very well. I wouldn't write that on a paper, piece of paper. But, uh, uh-huh. but what, having what a secret identity is most... Do you think is their is super, most essential to is most character. essential to the character, mm-hmm. and I, I think when we talk about Spider-Man, it's that we are introduced to so many aspects of Spider-Man's life and the people who live with mm-hmm. Peter Parker. Whereas a lot of characters don't get that. Clark Kent has essentially like three people he's he's close to. Batman's yeah. close to no one. I think yeah. So I'll, I'll answer that with mm-hmm. a, a little roundabout way, but yeah, I mm-hmm. think it's the. Um, the supporting cast makes the secret identity matter, so having a strong supporting mm-hmm. cast means that they have stronger... You know, I, I, I guess it depends on what story you want to tell. Yeah, uh, but but it, it makes the secret identity matter. That is why like Spider-Man is an easy one to say. Mm-hmm. And I definitely have always thought like his secret identity matters because when people find out, it made them a better villain, but it was special because not a lot of people I think out. that's what but, made Spider-Man special to begin with. They mm-hmm. talk about he's a relatable teen. Like, not really. You introduced him as a teenager and a bunch of other characters who are going to be there throughout the story. Yeah. Whereas almost everybody else is hit by a meteorite and everybody in their, in their personal life disappears and they become yeah. a hero. Well, a lot of Marvel characters like Captain America's secret identity doesn't matter. Everyone knows who Iron Man is. Mm-hmm. Thor just is Thor. Sometimes. And that's what I'm Sometimes curious about. Like, w- w- in what comic is that? Everyone knows Hulk is Banner. W- in what comic is that still truly important? The secret identity. Know, it, it matters less and less in Marvel books, especially like uh, well, Daredevil as well. I, I love Daredevil because like they they show it happens when it's called into question, he, and it's great. He's a lawyer's like. You're Daredevil. You can't prove that, and that's libel. <laughs> yep, and it's a, it's very smart. I like that a lot. But, but. in the first from the first um, story arc in Wade Saga, it's like you can't practice law if mm. you're under like it'll sway the entire jury if yeah, you go in there with the perception being that you're Daredevil, mm-hmm. and you can't prove if you're you not. can't unprove it. You can't unprove it. You said you you are pursuing litigation against it sways the, the jury pool it sways the jury stuff, yeah. pool you cannot do that I like that's that what's too. so yes. interesting about that first arc that's I, so that's really that's one of my most memorable daredevil stories it has nothing to do with him being daredevil at yeah. all teaching defendants to defend themselves I, lo- I really like that him, him really cool. defending the like that's just a creative that's just a, like Mark Wade can be very creative like that too I really like that but, but uh, what, what do you think Who, what? whose secret identity is most important Here's one I, I, I'm going to pull out that I do like, which Wonder was Man. Uh, no, he, he's a celebrity. He doesn't have a secret identity either. Hercules? No, nope, he's he's just Hercules. So I'm he's just always gonna, I'm Hercules. just picking the worst possible. Uh, <laughs> there are like you can go down the Avengers roster. You're know, like a lot of these people don't have secret identities, or like, so, so it seems. No. She Hulk sort of does, mm-hmm. kind of. The X Men, uh, X Men sort of do. No, uh, yeah, he, he does. Yeah, people don't know he's Danny Rand. He's not completely out in the open. No, he's a rich guy mm. in his secret identity. But I'm going to say one of my favorites was uh, it was Robin hmm. in the uh, the series that happened around Nightfall when Robin it was uh, written by Chuck Dixon mm-hmm. because he for a time he was no longer like he was being Robin and he had a bunch of his equipment that mm-hmm. he got from Bruce, but he was out of the Batcave, so he was having to deal with his own secret identity mm-hmm. and. Uh, 
him balancing high school life and the fact that he barely sleeps and all this stuff. It was it was interesting. I thought his secret identity and his he like worked to keep these two worlds separate. It was it was interesting, and you Jeez. don't really see that now because I think it's also you want to people just want to see more and more colorful colorful action. They mm-hmm. don't want to see conversations between people who aren't Spider-Man. You know, I am almost ready to disagree. Been very few action action sequences that I have taken with me longer than conversations. In well, they, comics. and those action scenes can matter more because someone had a conversation. Very true. Very true. So yeah, all right, I like that. Answer that in the com- in the forums on lasertimepodcast.com. So we've reached the end of another episode, guys. Mm. Uh, and just a, a quick warning: next week's episode there should be one, but. After that, I am taking a little time off to go to Tokyo. You're going to do one live from Tokyo? Tokyo. Uh, You can't upload files from Tokyo. No, I can't. It's impossible. Well, I know both hotels I'm staying in have free Wi-Fi. Oh, so so you've offered them. That's great. It's very nice of you, Hank. Solo shows? Sure. No. Mm. Uh, But, uh, but yeah, the plug time, though, hey, Laser Time was a good one this week. It was. One of our best, I think. Um, I love Shame Song so much. And we could Shame's, do it every month. Shame Songs 2 is, yeah, incredibly, incredibly entertaining. I definitely think there will be a Shame Songs 3. Yeah, I, I remember getting someday. on you because like, you were like telling these fascinating things about behind-the-scenes things, behind-the-songs. Like, Hank, there's too many songs here. They're so funny. And I wish I hadn't done that because then maybe we could have put a two-parter out. Mm-hmm. But I, 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 hate, got, yeah. I hate two-parters. I really do. But um, well, we could have. Well, it wouldn't have had to be a two-parter. We could have just recorded a second Shame Songs mm. and just made it. We brought our own. Saved back. one for another another month. Or to anybody asking, the f- closing song was New Radicals, mm-hmm. Music and You, whatever the fuck that song is called. Oh, I gotta and, say, Chris. By the way, thank mm-hmm. you. Got the best bait. Well, I said. Bay City mm. Rollers. I didn't know what song you were going to but you got one about being a hero. Everyday and, hero or something like that. Yeah, everyday hero. Be everyday, everyday hero. It's kind of the third Bay City Roller song everyday I've ever heard. Oh, so good. But uh, yeah, I love Power Pop so much. I was just listening yeah. to Latter Day Power Pop indie group New Pornographers again. Mm. I forgot how much I love the New Pornographers. They're so Me good. Me too. I, I never, I didn't get, I, it's the same thing. So I hate about everything in general like you can't get into something while it's happening it's like oh that was awesome uh-huh. because before oh the whole world's talking about new pornographers I don't care that's just their <laughs> thing I, Mumford and Sons eat shit and then I'll discover <laughs> stuff like that like 90 years later and like oh wow I wish I could have caught on been on this train from the beginning uh, let's see also I'm on this week's Vigi Game Apocalypse Uh-oh. listen to that uh, and I think no, I was not on. There is a plock episode of uh, mm-hmm. of uh, VG Empire that came out. I chose not to be on that episode, but you're underselling it. Was it. A good, it was a good one, though. It is the one and only plock episode of anything. <laughs> uh, oh, and I was on Retronauts this week. It oh, finally, you were? the episode posted uh, about the history of video game violence, which I wish he would have called. A History of Video Game Violence, like mm. as a parody of that comic book that slash film, almost been a History of Violence. But hey, it's Bob Mackie's show. He gets to call it. He mm-hmm. names it what he wants. But it, I think it was really good. I got to meet uh, Jeremy Parrish and mm-hmm. Ray Barnholt, who like, were 
when I was getting started or when I was dreaming of being a games journalist. Those were two writers I really looked up to. Mm-hmm. So to get to be on a show with them like was great. I hope I didn't moon over them too much or or seem in to person or on the air because then I'm gonna have to go listen to this. I think on the episode I, I I'm pretty good. You know I am I am worried they 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 are very limited. Like I think they they want to be a clean podcast though mm-hmm. they. I didn't swear. I was very careful That's of that. A fucking shame. Well, meanwhile, Ray did swear. He <gasps> said "fuck." And I was like, "Well, shit." Like, also, I I felt kind of out of place because they 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 were like all business there. They weren't talking very much before the show, and mm-hmm. I just felt so weird because I'm used to like us chumming it up mm-hmm. as as bros and before. So stop talking. Save show. it for the air or shut yeah. up. We can't talk. About well, meanwhile, this. they were just like so silent when mm-hmm. I wanted to. Be like, hey, so it's cool. What's going on with you guys? It's uh, nice to meet you. Like, they they were just all business and setting up. They well, because they also they have an office. Like yeah. they they rent space to record in. They don't do mm-hmm. it in some you know beer Easy, bottle buddy. littered uh, kitchen. Easy, buddy. Replace those with fucking squeeze it, and you have your apartment. Ouch! <laughs> I would never drink. That hurts because I I was a juice box guy when they introduced squeeze it. <laughs> I never had That's those. the most I felt like I've hurt you on air. I'd hurt a little bit. Sorry, man. Well, all right. I will say I've been doing this lately where I drink. Where I, fi- I So I get like this V8 juice mix that I really like or uh, or orange juice, like a bottle of orange juice. And I'll bring it. When I mm-hmm. eat in my living room, I'll bring the bottle with me. Mm-hmm. And when I finish the bottle, I just leave it under my coffee table and... There's now about a dozen bottles yeah, under my coffee table. I should just grab it. Anyway, on it. until next episode. Oh, I want to leave you with something. I'm stealing this from another podcast, a much more popular podcast mm-hmm. called Who Charted. But they did a list on their show recently of the best songs about Batman. <laughs> and on it, they had a song I never heard of before mm-hmm. from the soundtrack to Batman and Robin. Mm-hmm. It is R. Kelly's yeah. Gotham City. Such a great song. So let's leave with that on this episode. Until next time, Excelsior! Now quiet nights in the midst of crime How next door to happiness lives sorrow And signals of solution in the sky A city of justice A city of love City of peace for every one of us. We all need it, can't live without it. A Gotham City.